and welcome to the FEZ Show. I am your host, Jack George Maynard, and I want to say a big thank you to our new subscribers who have joined the channel over the past few days. And if you're not a subscriber yet, you can still can be. All you need to do is just click that little red subscribe button and you can join the fun with us. Once again, we have loads to talk about and joining me for the ride is William Dodds and Jack Pickering. Morning, Will. Morning, Jack. Hiya. Morning. Morning. Oh, we have lots to discuss today, so I'm going to get straight into it because my first question is, has Formula E actually established itself a strong enough fan base? Because I think Formula E is becoming sort of established in motorsport itself, but when I think about, you know, has it actually drawn in those casual fans? I'm not sure that they've they've done that. I still think there's fans that might have been casual fans back in season one, season two, who haven't become core fans. They're still sitting on the fence in terms of Formula E. What do you think, Will? I think that it's clear that Formula E has uh, a kind of core, dedicated audience, which is quite passionate and, and very enthusiastic. And I think that when you're starting kind of a new sport like this, that's uh, a really important thing to, to do. So... In, in that sense, I think that there has been a, a level of success and, you know, we know from, from engaging it o- online and, and uh, watching races that there's a huge amount of passion for it. Um, I think the fact that we have a very secure driver lineup, a very impressive driver lineup, a very impressive uh, lineup of manufacturers um, will kind of see that grow even further. Um, obviously, it's kind of like a situation you have with like MLS maybe in football where people, if people see it as like a kind of, you know, somewhere where drivers go to retire, then obviously the, the appeal is less and less, but now you see potentially drivers coming in, in the, their peak years, kind of making their career in Formula E. I think that's definitely going to be something that can broaden the fan base. And I think maybe when we see, you know, drivers doing well in Formula E and then as a result getting bigger drives in maybe Formula One, um, then, then perhaps that that could bring a, all, all new audience to it as well. So, I definitely think that in terms of establishing a core, uh, passionate audience, has done a really good job. And maybe just it'll be just kind of the passing of time and and just establishing that that driver lineup and uh, that lineup of manufacturers will kind of see maybe it become a bit more widespread and a bit more mainstream. Because I agree with you, in terms of its manufacturers, in terms of the drivers now that we have in the series, Jack, it's come on leaps and bounds, and the series has grown dramatically. So Formula E are definitely moving in the right direction, I believe, in terms of, and have made progress in actually like establishing itself. Like Alexander Sims said to me the other day that Formula E is probably in the top three bracket of terms of motorsport alongside DTM, Formula One, and IndyCar. So, which is quite a big statement. And I think Formula E, when you look at the manufacturers and the drivers, Jack, you can agree with that. Oh, yeah, completely. Uh, the uh, the calibre of the drivers in Formula E now is so much more than it was um, a few years ago. And I, uh, I'd, I'd probably go out and say that it is... Not it, it that it is not actually far off from the levels of for, from the levels of Formula One, from the levels of IndyCar, like uh, like, uh, like Alexander Sims said. Uh, but yeah, I think yeah, as uh, as, uh, as Will said, yeah, having this having this niche audience thing is great. We do uh, uh, 
we do need to expand it a, li- a, a little bit. And yeah, what one thing that I do think is hindering that is, especially here in the UK, the TV rights we um, uh, we get it on Eurosport and the uh, and the BBC Red Button, and a couple races go on to BBC Two. One thing that I know is in season five, uh, in um, uh, in Hong Kong when it went on to be when it went on to BBC Two. Um, they, and this was like an 8am, 9am slot. They got about a million viewers, which is phenomenal for Formula E standards. I think the only race that's got more was the season finale in Battersea Park in season one, where that got about 1.3 on, on the ITV main channel. But yeah, going back, uh, how many years ago now? It must be like seven or eight, but uh, when BBC had the rights to MotoGP, they'd give MotoGP a 90-minute slot on um, uh, on on the Sunday for the race, and so I uh, I don't see why um, I don't see why um, for, uh, BBC can't do the same with um, with Formula E, especially as the majority of the time on BBC Two they are just showing reruns of Dad's Army yeah, and, I... and Escape to the Country. Yeah, I I agree in terms of obviously. That is a massive drawback in terms of, in, especially in the UK, I know in obviously other countries, but some other countries it's behind paywalls or, you know, you have to pay so you, you get the YouTube um, channel, which then you you can watch the race on, um, which I think that's quite interesting as well, the YouTube, because obviously I we use that when we're not at races, for example, I would use that to cover practice one, cover practice two, cover qualifying. I don't even use, I use the YouTube channel rather than, for example, the BBC, because I know the BBC puts the qualifying on the red, on the, on, on the internet, sorry. But if it's on the internet anyway on YouTube, I might as well just carry on watching the YouTube stream, for example. It makes no difference. Um, so, but I, I just, you know, when you see the numbers of how many people are watching, it doesn't, I, to be honest with you, for me, and that's worldwide rather than just being on the BBC in England, it, it hasn't grown. I, I don't think those numbers of people watching have actually grown as much as formerly would have liked. I think maybe you get a lot of people watching it after the actual event but when you're watching the event the stream you've like yes i know practice one is like at half seven in the morning or half six in the morning uk time which isn't great let me tell you but you've got like three thousand people watching the stream constantly it doesn't really get past three thousand you get qualifying you you, you struggle to get ten thousand people watching on youtube yes i know that there are around the world other like tv programs that are showing qualifying live on tv so obviously People will go there to watch it on TV potentially as well, but I just feel like sometimes on YouTube that the the fan base it just isn't there considering that it is worldwide and it's so easy to to access. So I'm trying to think now, what could Formula E do? Is there obstacles? Because obviously I think for us we brought into Formula E. I think everyone in this chat, everyone that we've spoken to, you know, everyone in the paddock, all the journalists have brought into Formula E and are purely passionate about it and purely love it, which is great. But I'm trying to think now, what could we do for the fans that are sitting on that fence who, yeah, like Formula E has got some, you know, got some close racing. But what could we do? Is stuff like the fan boost, for example, is that still an obstacle? Because people outright say, I can't watch Formula E because of fan boost. The attack mode, when I, I, I'm a big fan of the attack mode. I still think they probably could tweak it a little bit better than... But I think it's got great potential and, has, and added a fantastic strategy element. But because it's not like a conventional uh, racing thing. It hasn't actually, you know, there's people again who will say, I can't watch Formula E's got too many gimmicks. It's got attack mode, fan boost, too much for me. Will, 
what do you think? Do you think, you know, what could Formula E possibly do um, to try and attract these new fans? Or maybe these stereotypes of fan boost in attack mode, you know, how could they sort of debunk those? I think it's a it's a really difficult uh, difficult question. I think going back to what Jack said, uh, Pico said, sorry, uh, in terms of uh, putting on terrestrial TV, I think that's really important. Um, it just brings a large audience of casual viewers and people who are just flicking around on the TV and don't know what to watch. And then you think about the fact that there isn't much motorsport on the BBC anymore. Um, you know, considering they used to have MotoGP, they used to have Formula One. Uh, Formula One is just down to one race a year on, on Channel 4 now. So I think it's really important that, you know, there's there's surely a gap to be filled with people who want to watch motorsport on the BBC. And I think that just having it there would, would bring in a big audience, um, naturally. Um, in terms of fan boost and attack mode, I think that I, I can see, I, I think that attack mode, when people watch how it works, will be won over by it. Um, I think it, there are still some issues, as we mentioned yesterday, with uh, with uh, Gunter losing his podium in, in Deria. I think that the way that worked, there's still some, some loopholes and some kind of get-arounds that need to be kind of ironed out. But I think generally the way it works is, is really interesting. It works pretty much in the same way as a pit stop. Um, it's just a slightly different application of 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 that kind of like strategy element. So I... I, I don't think there's a huge problem with attack mode and I think they should persist with it with maybe a few tweaks. In terms of fan boost, I can see how people would find that gimmicky. But I do think that there's quite, quite a lot... People always talk about um, gimmicks in, in motorsport, whether it be reverse grid racing or or kind of like semi-reverse grids as they use in, in, in F2. And I think that sometimes people kind of talk about it a lot without actually re- realising how much of... a an impact it's actually having. So, you know, in, in terms of fan boost, I think it's it's a it's a nice quirk. But maybe, as you know, Formula E is taking on you know world championship status from next season. Maybe it's something they want to to reconsider. But it's it's really difficult to say one way or the other what kind of impact it has. Do you think fan boost needs a sort of mini segue? But do you think fan boost maybe Jack needs adjusting? Does it get stale after a time when? For example, every single race that Stoffel van Dorn has joined the series. And maybe if more bigger names start joining the series like we're seeing, that have developed a big fan base because they've been in Formula 1 and they've come out, for example, does it get stale and then does it become repetitive and does it lose its attraction if the same drivers are winning it race after race after race? Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, one thing that I pitch to absolutely nobody about a year or so ago was maybe if you win the fan boost you're not allowed to have it in the next race or something like that just to spice up just so that Stoffel doesn't win week in week out but the thing the thing is like the last last year or so I mean I, I don't think I've seen that I've seen maybe five people total though in fan boost I haven't really seen any more than that so I'm not sure um, because because the thing is the whole fan boost thing that has diminished a bit, but the main thing why uh motorsport fans don't like the idea of fan boost is they see it as a kind of um un it it's uh it's unfair towards the uh, towards drivers because 
it was originally only three can get it then the other 17 weren't allow it now it's five can get it and the other 19 don't but um but yeah that was the one thing that was the uh that motorsport fans didn't like and thought they'd turn it into some uh, they'd turn it into popularity contest um but with the attack mode I I love it. I think it's the be- I I th- I think it's the perfect combination of a Joker lap, Curs, uh, and other stuff like that. Just just brought into one, and and it's I I think it's fantastic. And the fact that and I think the fact that it's all equal, so ev- everyone's allowed everyone's only allowed to use it twice, or in the case of New York last year, three times uh, during a race. I think I uh, I think that's I think that's brilliant. Uh, and I think just to wrap up the topic in terms of you know we've seen Formula 1 will come up with the Drive to Survive series that's on Netflix and Formula E did something similar by trying to release this movie and we go green which is which was when they would it was filmed during season 4 and obviously the drivers went to premiere it and that would be a great way to sort of you know Add those extra fans. I know there's tons of casual, not even interested people who have watched the F1 Drive to Survive series who aren't interested in Formula 1 just because it adds flavour to the sport. And it could have been, and we go green, if it was, I think, if it was out by now and if I could actually watch it somewhere, I think that could be huge in terms of, you know, potentially putting these fans that are still on the fence about Formula E and actually thinking, you know what, I should watch a Formula E race. Yeah, it's a it's a really it's a it's a real shame that it's based around season four because if you think about the kind of way that the the sport has changed and the the kind of storylines around it are, are almost kind of completely different. You know, we have a far more established driver and manufacturer lineup now. You know, John Eric Verne has actually won two titles since it was it was filmed and kind of established himself as as kind of the the number one star in in Formula E, and I I just don't think that that film you know, will be able to, to capture that, um, sadly. I think doing that kind of thing is definitely a good idea and I'm sure they'll I'm sure that it will be kind of well done and and a boost, but maybe something a bit more contemporary would have been would have been helpful um to 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 kind of bring in more fans. But if you look at uh, Drive to Survive it's definitely had a huge impact in terms of uh, building building kind of like the fan base around certain drivers. Um, I think they've definitely seen a gain in popularity and kind of having that more focus on the drivers and the, and the athletes is always a, a really important thing about motorsport rather than, you know, I think that the, the kind of technical stuff, while it's really important and interesting to a lot of people, I don't think that that's the kind of mass appeal stuff. I think that that real focus on the individuals and the drivers involved in their, their lives and their kind of backstories, I think that's the thing that always kind of manages to to bring the the bigger mass appeal and uh, hopefully that's something that they can incorporate into into the um into the movie because also you know just just having people who feel partisan towards one driver or another that's really good for creating kind of like passion and uh, debate and and getting people just like supporting their favorites i think that that's something really important yeah and you know what i haven't seen many tweets although i did see it yesterday and i'm gonna just 
you know, rubbish it in a second, but you haven't seen those tweets of, you know, Formula One drivers, they've got no personality, they're just robots. And I, since Drive to Survive has come out, you can't say that, and especially with this current crop of Formula One drivers, and especially when you, you see the, the esports and them chatting together on, on Twitch and so forth, you know, the personalities of, of the drivers are coming out so much that you can't say it. And actually someone on Twitter yesterday actually said... You know, no drivers have got personality. The last driver that had personality was Fernando Alonso. None of this current crop have any personalities. I was like, what are you talking about? Have you not seen Drive to Survive? Have you not seen what they're doing on, on Twitch? It just, oh, that, that that frustrated me. But And you think about, like, the impact that, you know, there, if, if, like, a, a Lewis Hamilton or a Sebastian Vettel, but not even that level, but if, like, a, a Lando Norris uh, joined Formula E, just think about the amount of people that they could kind of bring with them. Um, and that that's the kind of thing because you know their personality has 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 been shown through the through the documentary and through their kind of through their social media or or just through their kind of like supporters groups and and that just brings a huge amount of people. And imagine if one of those was to, to join Formula E. You know, not that I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but having those those kind of big personalities with groups of people behind them and supporters that just brings people to the sport. And uh, I think the Formula E needs to. To cultivate that around its biggest stars too. Yeah, I, I agree. So moving on then to the next topic that I want to talk about, and it involves our season one champion Nelson PK Jr. And it's the rise and sort of fall of Nelson PK Jr. Because for me, I, I used to love talking to Nelson PK Jr. I really did. He came up with some amazing stories. I remember back in season two when that Neo car was just atrocious and everyone was asking him the same questions. And you just thought, oh, well, what can I do differently to talk to Nelson Piquet Jr.? I think it was in Paris. I was like, so what are you going to do to like get better? And he was like, oh, we're going to do this, this, X, Y, Z. This is what I'm doing. This is how I'm focusing for season three to try get the car to become better. Uh, and, you know, you could have a fantastic conversation if you didn't just repeat the dull same questions. Why are you slow? I used to love the challenge of actually talking to Nelson Piquet Jr. But Jack, he was the first driver, really, to sort of... Back in season one, when he won that championship, he was the first driver to get on top of energy management and actually understand how to use the energy in the correct places, where to recover it, how to manage it. So he always had he always had three percent, three four percent more than any other driver at that period. So he started off his Formula E career really strong. Well, yeah, I, I funny enough, I was watching the uh, the uh, the season one Long Beach race uh, the the other day, the one uh, his, his first race win, um, and yeah, he was he 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 was definitely by by a long way he was the first one to like properly get uh, get on with like the the energy management, and you can tell that even in even in season two, uh, the uh, the start of season two, he'd still have four or five percent more than 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 everyone else obviously by then um the the performance of the car wasn't great but because he got the the whole the the energy management brilliant by the first uh, by long beach basically he 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 absolutely just rocketed on and 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 took and took that championship and 
And and when he was told he was champion in uh, in season one in Battersea, Jack Jack Nichols told him that he was champion, and Jack Nichols wasn't actually sure that he was champion. So I th- I think uh, I I think that was brilliant from him. But yeah, no, I was uh, I I was always a big fan of of uh, Nelson in Formula E. So yeah, I uh, it it uh, it was it was getting to see uh, his performance kind of. Uh, dwindle over the years and the thing is even when he switched to Jaguar in season four the first four or five races it looked like oh, okay this is the old Nelson he was the top he was top five in the championship and then he just had a string of non-finishes and then ended up finishing about 12th in the championship and then it just came to season five and he just had an absolutely torrid time and unfortunately left the sport no, I agree. And it was actually, it's an interesting story, actually, why um, he sort of, you know, went to Jaguar in, in a sense, because I remember back, I was interviewing him again. It was about in Monaco time, I, I remember. And he said, you know, he was talking about season four, because obviously season three was a better year for Neo. Season two was a complete write off. The car was way too heavy with the twin motor system. It was just, it was just a awful car the car made progress in season three and it it was set to make progress again in season four the way nelson pk was talking about it he was telling me you know neo gonna win races next season we're gonna be fine for pole positions we're gonna be fine for race wins and podiums and then he left so then i asked him i was like so so why did you leave and it, it was sort of the it wasn't going to go or it wasn't going to be consistent there was a lot of changes there was a lot of politic politics going on in the background and he thought you know he just wanted to jump ship and that's what he did because Neo actually in season four was had a good car like he wasn't wrong like Oliver Turvey was you know fighting in Mexico for example could have nearly won that race in Mexico if his car didn't um, fall apart on the main straight so imagine what he could have possibly have done in that Neo car um, so he definitely was making progress but I thought it was interesting why he left but Will my question is is because of this sort of fall they had in at Jaguar, it sort of didn't go the way that he wanted. Even you remembering in Neo, like it did pick up again. Season three, remember Neo locked out the front row, so he he still had the talent going into season four and season five at Jaguar. It should have been really a a sweet story with him and Mitch Evans pushing that Jaguar car forward in order to fight for world championships. But now, if we look back in a couple of years' time, will we put Nelson Piquet in the same breadth? as possibly Lucas Degrassi and, and Jean-Eric Vaughan for their successes in Formula E. I get, we had this discussion on Monday about Oliver Turvey kind of getting stuck at Neo. And, you know, in that sense, you can see why potentially there would have been the desire from PK to, you know, and if you look at the Jaguar team that he moved to in, in season four, you know, him and Evans both finished ahead of Turvey in the standings. So while it was a, a decent season for, for Turvey, as you references his podium, I think I think you, you know I can see the logic behind going to a team like Jaguar, and you know if you had a top form PK partnering Mitch Evans now, you know that that could be a team that's challenging for the for the title, and and both drivers like in with a shot of the drivers' championship. So it's it's undoubted that PK is a is a very good driver. You know you look at his his record in, in GP two in Formula One, and then his early days in in Formula E as well. You know, he he's always been a driver who can produce excellent results. You know, he's he's had podiums in in Formula One as well. Um, let's not forget. So, this isn't uh, a kind of driver who who 
doesn't have kind of excellent performances in him. But his his lack of consistency and you know the number of of retirements that he's had over his career is probably something that's going to damage his legacy in in Formula E. Um, it's not going to be leave him in the same bracket as someone like a, a Lucas de Grassia, a Boemi, or a John Ayrton, just because you know he he wasn't able to continue to produce over a number of seasons, and you know he had a good opportunity at, at a good team like Jaguar, and he he didn't take it. Um, where someone like Mitch Evans has. No, I agree. It's, it's a shame, really, because that's our season one champion, you know, and I suppose maybe season one champions are, are maybe are forgotten down the lines. But I just feel what Nelson Piquet did at the beginning and to be so good and so aggressive and, 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 and to, to get the technology and to understand the car the way that he did correctly and that the fact that he's not in Formula E now, you know, competing like Boemi is still, like Degrassi is, like Verne is, you know, those season one protagonists, that he's not part of that anymore. It's, it's actually, it's quite a sad story, really. But, you know, whether he'll whether he'll be a name that we remember, oh, Nelson Piquet Jr., what a career that he had. Well, time, only time will tell. But to be honest with you, I can, I can see that failing. I can see that falling off and us, you know, in 10, 15 years' time when we come to review, you know, Formula E, we'd be talking more about the Verns, the Grasses and the Bohemies and, and Piquet would just get like a side note. One thing that I would like to add about Nelson Piquet, because the thing is, every, every everyone seemed to perceive him as uh, as a bloke who was always quite grumpy all uh, all, all the time. When uh, and yes, and, and yes, that was the case when it, it wasn't his day, and unfortunately, towards the end of his Formula E career, wasn't great. But he 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 is genuinely such such a good guy. I, I've 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 met him on quite a few occasions, and he and he willingly signed. A pizza box that I gave him in uh, in Bassey Park in season one. So so that so I I, I think that proves that uh, that that he does have a sense of humour and 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 that and that, and that he is an all round good guy. So yeah, I hundred percent back that because the conversations I've had with him have been great, and he's he's always giving me the time of day. Like some drivers don't give you the time of day sometimes because they're busy or they've got to leave. But Nelson Piquet Jr. always made. He made a point. No, 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 no. I need to speak to him. You know, I need to. I need to tell him what's happened. I'm not going to leave yet. I need to speak to him. And I, I, I really appreciated that. So straight away, that tells me what sort of a guy Nelson Piquet Jr. is. And for me, it's a shame because I used to love interviewing him. He was always up for a chat. He was. He and he was good around the paddock. Yes, he did have that perception of being moody. But he was. A, he's a race winner. He wants to win races. Degrassi isn't happy when things aren't going right. But people don't really call him moody. Okay, but Nelson Piquet Jr. because it was consistent and it always seemed to happen year after year that the car just didn't work, then I suppose that's why he always looked moody. So to wrap up the show, Dan, sort of a nice little fun thing, and I want you guys to have a go at home as well. So we've all sort of thought of a driver that hasn't competed in Formula One that we think we'd love to see in in Formula E. So I'll, please think of a driver that you've got and you can put it in the comment section below. My one that I'd love to see in Formula E is R10 Markov because I think the chance of him now getting into Formula 1 has probably evaporated, it's probably gone. I know he had some like test roles at Renault but it didn't really come to much. Um, maybe just the money wasn't there for him. But he was super consistent in his junior career, really consistent, quick and you know he's coming towards the end of last season and you know his competitiveness was still there. 
I just don't think there's a big opportunity for Artem Markolov in Formula One in in that in that sort of category. So I think potentially bringing him into into Formula E, he could be a super consistent driver and be like a Mitch Evans because Mitch Evans was quite similar, really quick in the junior series and 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 has flourished in Formula E. And I think Artem Markolov could do the same. So my my go was Artem Markolov. Will who did you have as a, as a form as a driver that hasn't raced in Formula E Formula One? Sorry, that you'd love to see in Formula E. Um, so I've gone with um, Sergio Sete Camara. It was kind of a toss-up between him and, and Luca Giotto. But I think the fact that uh, Kamara competed in the uh, recent rookie test in Marrakesh, and he did really well. I think he came second um, in terms of best time. So he's someone I'd like to see in, in, in Formula E. He's a driver just, I kind of took to um, driving an F2. Um, I, I quite like his, his style and the kind of way he, um, he goes about things. I also just have a thing, I guess, for Brazilian drivers in in general and um yeah he's performed generally really well in 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 f2 and he's um had some quite impressive test driver roles with with mclaren and and more recently with um red bull um but yeah i I can't see formula one happening for him he he's he lost out to to george russell when he was uh, with carlin and then to um latifi with dams and obviously dams have a formulary uh connection as as we kind of mentioned off air with uh you know, the kind of level of, of drivers in, in Buemi and, uh, and Roland at Nissan, perhaps that wouldn't be a seat that's available to him. But I definitely think he's someone that, you know, teams could be looking at if they're looking to maybe refresh their their team and go for someone without that experience. But, you know, as as Nick DeVries has shown and uh, Roland showed last year, you know, these younger drivers can come in and pick it up really quickly. And I think that in the rookie test he's shown he's definitely got some aptitude for it. And I'd like to see him given a go. Um, you know, if if the kind of Formula One doesn't work out for him, as I, as I probably expect it won't. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Luki Giotto actually did test, and I think probably season four, I think it was for Tech Cheetah. Um, so he, I think another driver that's got Formula experience as well. That, uh, and again, another one that probably F1 isn't isn't coming. He's a very a very good driver who I, I understand hasn't always had the kind of level of funding that's made it possible to kind of take the next step, but he's another one. But uh, yeah, if I had to choose, it's it's Ete Kamara. Yeah, so two, well, good choices, I think. And Jack, who would you go for? Well, to be honest, you could could fill a fishbowl full of, full of driver names that, that um uh that I'd want to that I want to see in a Formula E car. However, uh you two have gone for the kind of junior levels of Formula One. I've decided to go, to go stateside. Um, I'd like to see a handful of IndyCar drivers that have have a shot at Formula E. However, the one that I've chosen um is the is the reigning series champion from IndyCar, Joseph Newgarden. Oh wow! And so uh, I'd. Yeah, I just uh, he 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 has extreme talent. He he did compete in GP two back in twenty eleven or 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 something like that. He he didn't have the best yes, career. Yes, I do there. remember. Yeah, and so he moved back to the states, did Indy Lights, and then went on to IndyCar, and then joined Penske a couple of years ago, and he's now a two time champion. Um, but he 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 always seems to have he, he always seems to have raw speed. I do I do enjoy watching him race. But yeah, he's 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 the one that I'd quite like to see in a formula in a Formula E car. But yeah, as I said, I'd love to see so many 
um, uh, Formula. Uh, I'd love to see so many IndyCar drivers have a crack at it. If it's if it's Ryan Hunter Ray or Alexander Rossi, I mean both both Penske and Andretti are in um are in uh, are in IndyCar and Formula E with Dragon and BM and BMW. So there are links there. Make make it happen, guys. Yeah. Pico bringing the big names from different series into into Formula E, stealing. Big yeah. names like Joseph Newgarden and Alexander Rossi <laughs> to come to Formula E. I, they might be able to do both if the calendar works out. They could do both because, as you said, you know there is that Andretti link. I don't think at the moment with De Costa and uh, not De Costa now Gunther and, and Sims there might be a seat open. Penske though for Joseph Newgarden, those dragon seats is always a sort of a roller coaster ride every season of who gets it. So if if he wanted to, there might be no harm of him asking Jay Penske and Roger Penske if he'd be allowed to do it. And as we discussed yesterday, you know, we're giving Nico Muller potentially Daniel Apt seat. Um, maybe we bring Newgarden into that uh, into that Geox Dragon seat. Probably your one, Jack, even though how not ludicrous, but crazy in terms of that one that actually could work. That It, it could work only if he was interested. I always go for crazy, mate. I, oh. I, I always go for crazy. Lovely. Right. I think that's about everything for today's show. Thank you so much, boys, for being on again. Cheers, Jack. Okay, thank you. Um, please remember, though, if you're really enjoying the content, to remember to hit the like button and subscribe. It really helps us out. If you really want to help us, you can support us on our Patreon page. The link will be in the description below. So all that's left for me to say is really, you've been watching the FEZ Show, and we will be back tomorrow. <laughs>